Welcome along once again to the very latest Forever Blue podcast. Thanks very much for your company uh, and thanks very much for subscribing. If you've not done it already, it is free. Give us five stars as a review uh, and tell people what you think of the podcast, especially if you like it. Um, I'm Ian Cheeseman and Forever Blue is something that I share with uh, different people who come down and chat to me each and every week and I have a stellar lineup as usual today. I also want to thank Hot Click Marketing who are a company who are based in Manchester, run by Tony who's a City fan, um, who is supporting me in this venture. So thanks very much to them. As a result of my um, association with Hot Click Marketing, I've been invited into the Tunnel Club tomorrow. So I'll uh, tell you what that's all about next week on the podcast. Uh, But Hot Click Marketing are are a company who basically look after a website or anything that you do on social media uh, to give you the appropriate Google ads, etc. They specialise in that, so have a chat to them, give them a call. You'll find the website very easily uh, because it is basically just www.hotclickmarketing.co.uk. So seek them out, go on there, give them a follow, hot underscore click on Twitter as well. And contact them and see if they can do something for you like they've done for me, but in a slightly different way. So thanks very much. We're also uh, grateful to the Holiday Inn, which is where we record most of our podcasts uh, based at Central Park near the stadium. Uh, With me tonight are three guys. Sometimes we have um, females, but it's all male today. Starting with the ugliest one on the right, which is... <laughs> I'm Paul from Prestige Carol. Oh, you, you yeah. very quickly yeah. accepted that. Yeah. I, know, I was trying to think of somebody else to be. But... Thinking about the garage anyway, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The Stella lineup is more, more of a copper burger or, or a, a, a Jägermeister man myself. With that fruit. Um, yeah, so I'm the owner of Prestige Car Repairs and... Um, I'm going to Wembley on Saturday. Hey. Yes. Uh, and although you can't see the podcast, we are videoing a little bit of it later on. If you if you look at that bit, you will see that Paul authentically his hands are covered in grease and oil and slime. He is actually a mechanic. Yeah. Right. Well, next to me, we've got uh, the man who uh, yeah. appears on my vlog sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I've got uh, I've got my voice back for the second week, Ian. So I'm uh, I'm. All systems go this week. Uh, so my name's Harlan. Um, if you've never listened to this before, um, I love doing this podcast. Um, I'm a diehard blue. I love looking at the football side of things. I like analysing performances, analysing players. Uh, really like the in-depth kind of stuff. Uh, and hopefully I can do a bit more of that on this uh, on this week's podcast. Yeah, we've got a little uh, project today. We're going to look at the youth team. Obviously, last night as we speak, they qualified for the FA Youth Cup final. So we'll talk about last night's game against West Brom a little bit. And we've also got Adam here. Yeah, my name's Adam. As you can probably tell you before, my voice is gone. I've, I've turned into Sean Dyche, so I'm doing the Sean Dyche impression tonight. Um, hopefully we'll be back for tomorrow when we play Cardiff. I'm looking forward to, uh, looking forward to that game getting back to... Uh, at the top of the league tomorrow, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Obviously, at the weekend, City did go back top of the league because they played ahead of Liverpool against Tottenham. And, and it was a special game that, in many ways, because, first of all, it was the first one back after the international break. It was a lovely setting right next to the river. If you've not watched the vlogs that I do, have a look at it because it's, it's the scene of the, the boat race, etc. But it was also special because the club put 1,400 black and red stripes out on the seats in the away end and it was all to commemorate Bernard Holford who, for those who are perhaps listening abroad, who think, who is Bernard Holford? I don't remember him playing for City. Well, 
He, he did everything you could do for City apart from play for them. He was the general secretary. He came from Oldham Athletic originally in the 70s and basically had that job all the way through to his passing, which was about a week ago. Uh, Bernard was regarded by many people as Mr Manchester City. I was fortunate of, to have known him for many, many years. Um, a little bit more distant perhaps at first because I wasn't as involved in the club as I have been more latterly, but in the latter years certainly I got to know him very well as well. I was at a, a dinner, one of the supporters clubs dinner, not too long ago when Bernard, who used to run a, a monthly uh, supporters club draw, I suppose that's the best way to put it, still was doing it even, while, even though he wasn't well and he stood there in front of everybody and, and conducted the draw and, it, and I felt very emotional because I knew he was seriously ill and, and I feared that we might not see much more of him but he, with massive dignity, carried on doing what he's always done, represented the club and I can tell you as well as, one, as the older person here on this panel that when City were having the bad times particularly back in the 70s and 80s, that Bernard used to travel up and down the country, all over the place actually, uh, going to visit and open new supporters clubs all over the country. Um, that was a, a labour of love for him uh, and he, he always did show a lot of love to everybody that he came in contact with and I bet you'd find it difficult to find a bad word actually said about Bernard. Mm. Um, his funeral's next week and, uh, and I'll be going along to that. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of people paying tribute to him. You two particularly, Adam and Harlan, he, he, he's not your generation, is he? So no, you, you won't no. really know much. Did you have any contact <clears throat> with him, Paul? I met him once, yeah. You met him once, Adam. Before a youth, before a youth, te youth team game, uh, when uh, I knew one of the referees, so we were sign out, you know, in the posh bit before before the game, uh, where where the academy used to play, you know, uh, where the athletics he bit is. Uh, yeah, seen a very nice guy. I'm sure I've, you sure got a foot with him, so... I'm sure nice. I've seen him once or twice myself as well. I think my dad's introduced me to him at a game one time or maybe when we've been around the regional athletics arena like you as well. I'm sure I went to a, a game, maybe a Tuesday night game in around about 2006, 2007. I think I met him. I, I was only young then, but I definitely remember either coming into contact with him or I just remember him very vividly anyway. I, um, I was pretty fortunate to... So know him quite well, really. Um, remember as a kid... I've never mentioned it before, my gran uh, used to live next door to Main Road, um, back onto the Kipot car park. So I used to um, go down to the ground before, with my dad earlier on. Uh, and Bernard used to come out, play his entrance, nick me for a couple of hours. Mm. Um, used to go in and a couple of balls tucked under my arm and we'd go around the home dressing room, get the ball signed, the away dressing room, get the ball signed. Um, so I knew him that way, but also um, he was a friend of my uh, my next door neighbour, um, Manny out of Stone Roses. He um, when we were growing up together, he's, that was his dad's one of his dad's best friends. Um, so we used to go down to Main Road in the summer holidays, um, just spend a day down there with him at Main Road in his in his office. He's, I remember going in, and it was all like panelled, panelled wood panel walls oh, and yeah. stuff like that. Um, we go in there and spend a, you know spend a day down there with him and then he he bring us home like and drop us off so um, very 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 emotional pretty sad day for me when I heard he died because you know I do I do he was a massive big part of my childhood great memories from from the main road days so I was speaking to Gary Cook the former chief executive a couple of weeks ago I had a a bit of a chat to him about various things that he and I um, 
or he could certainly potentially help me with. Uh, and he told me the story, and I don't think I'm breaking his confidence by saying this, that he'd had a call that morning uh, telling him that Bernard uh, probably didn't have long to go. And uh, he'd, he, he you know, sort of told me the story of how he'd rung him up and, and Gary had been in tears, as you might imagine, on the other end of the phone. Uh, and then after he told me that story, he also said that when he first came in as chief executive of the club, Bernard by then was probably in his late 60s, um, and uh, that he probably himself, this is Bernard, felt that he perhaps wouldn't be valued as much going forward. And uh, Gary took him on one side and said, well, you know, I value you, um, and um, I I'm not going to go into any details, but let's say that he helped him out with his pension and he helped him out with uh, making sure that he felt very valued uh, at the club. Uh, I, I could tell you more, but I think that would be going too far in terms of breaching confidence. But I, certainly from what he told me, he did absolutely the right things by Bernard and Bernard was looked after. And you saw the reaction of the club with the 1,400 scarves yeah. and I believe that the reception after the funeral next week um, is being basically put on by City. So it's not just what you hear about and what you see. Uh, the, the, people will know also that one of the atriums in the academy has been named after Bernard now, who had a particular passion for youth football, which we're going to talk about in this podcast. And fittingly, an atrium at the academy has been named the Bernard Halford Atrium or whatever uh, to remember him so that the youngsters that come through City will also always hear the name of Bernard Halford. So I think they've done great by him, yep. done everything right. And I, for one, am very proud of, of what the club have done. Quite right. So and, and do, do you remember him from, like, obviously, have you ever spoke to him about his time at Oldham as well? Because my granddad will remember Bernard from Oldham as well. When my granddad yeah, he's, he lived in, he actually lived not far from Oldham Athletic, even to, to his latter days, and, uh, and had a lot of affection for Oldham as well. So even though he was Mr Manchester City to a lot yeah. of people, um, he, he also was there, you know, at Oldham for a while. I remember my granddad talking about Bernard Alford at Boundary Park a lot. Like he, he, he has spoke to me a few times about him. I'll probably speak to my granddad more about him now and ask him about maybe what he remembers about him at Oldham a bit more now. Obviously, I wouldn't have done that in the past maybe because Bernard was still here. Obviously, now he's no longer here, as, as morbid as that sounds. I'm probably going to want to know more about him earlier on in his career and his life so to speak I think so they, they did a winning silence didn't they for him at the, uh, the game on is it applause at the youth yeah, cup yeah. game yeah and, no, and, and Oldham as well Oldham yeah yeah yeah, yeah you're right well, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely and um and the one thing I would say, which is perhaps the lighter side of it all, is that so there might be people at City who are actually quite relieved. Um, I don't mean that in a nasty way. I mean that, as you'll understand, because if there was ever a man that could write a book about what's gone on at City <laughs> during the hard times, through the days when it wasn't quite what it yeah. is now, it was Bernard. Yeah. And Bernard... Um, kept his counsel. I did talk to him a couple of times and said, have you ever thought about writing a book? And, you know, maybe I could help you with it. Yeah, but yeah. no, he was one of those people who the club were absolutely the top in esteem of what he thought. He never wanted to do anything that would risk or damage the club. He was literally the fly on the wall, though. He was he? the <laughs> fly on the wall. And uh, uh, he's, took, he's took those now to the grave. So um, thanks a lot, Bernard. Uh, if you're listening up there, then, uh, you know, um, may you rest in peace and... Uh, and Thanks for being the hero that you were. It might seem a bizarre thing, and I wonder if every, any other club would do this, you know, remember a, a person. Because, it, you know, they had him hold the FA Cup aloft when City won the FA Cup, and he, and he wore the red and black striped sh um, scarf then, which is why they did that honour. Yeah. 
Uh, but that picture, which I put on my vlog, of him holding the FA Cup and the face, you can't buy that. No, I know every fan would love to do that, yeah. but, but he got to do it. Yeah, it's, the, yeah. it's magical, isn't it? And, and it epitomises the FA Cup and what it's about as well. And it was our first trophy in 35 years, and for him to hold that aloft at Wembley, you know, after really? beating Stoke, and, and beating United in the semi-final, it was a beautiful run to that final and it epitomised everything about the FA Cup and his legacy at City, didn't it? So it's perhaps um, appropriate that City won at Fulham uh, on that day when all those scars were being held up. I was in the away end, I, the City fans sang Bernard's name and then at the end of the game, the, the club gave red and black striped um, scarves to the players, to Pep Guardiola who came over to the yeah. away end and the song rang out again. Um, now, you know, you can, you know, I don't want to be maudly and I don't want to carry on sort of milking this, as it were, but um, it, it, I wondered whether that had given any sort of extra motivation, perhaps, to the uh, to the players that day, because I'm sure it would have been explained if they didn't already know who Bernard was, yeah. the significance of his role. But on the on the pitch, um, certainly in the first half hour, I thought City were absolutely at the best again. Yeah, Played wonderful, scintillating football, uh, not least Bernardo Silva, who <clears> continues to <throat> me to be the standout <laughs> player of the year, despite the fact that everybody talks about Raheem Sterling. And, Bernardo, uh, and, and that's not to in any way put down Raheem Sterling, but Bernardo Silva, to me, is still the City standout player. Yeah. Uh, then after half an hour, it's interesting because I talked to fans at half-time, as you know, and after the game, and there were a few actually being a bit critical and saying, well, thought they were poor in the second half, could have got more goals, improved it. And I went, whoa, 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 if City are going to go on and win all these trophies, which they might not do, but they're aiming to do or trying to do, they could potentially, after today at Fulham, still have 14 games to go. You think they should be playing flat out? Well, you use my favourite term, in game management. Game management. I'm using the words game management. <laughs> well, use them now. Out. Explain to people what game management is. It's, it's making sure that you... Managing the game. It is. Managing the game. Thanks for that, Paul. It's tactical. It's being, you know, conserving energy, making sure that you've got... You know, your eggs in different baskets and you're not piling them all in one. And oh, hello, we're going into all of that. Eggs in baskets. Have <laughs> you got any, Adam? Here's another one. I think it's just a case of, for example, you know, we're 2-0 up in the game and all the goal difference is important. We're still ahead of Liverpool on goal difference anyway. I'm sure that tomorrow's another opportunity to, to score another two or three goals. You know, we've got another couple of games the end of the season where we can score another two or three goals. I don't think Liverpool will beat us on goal difference anyway, but at the same time, I think game management is key at this stage of the season. And we've got more games than everyone else, and you'd argue we've, we've probably played more games than everybody else in the league up to this moment anyway. So I think we should have got one more before trying to game manage, because I think at 2-0, it's one of the precarious scorelines. Score line, as yeah, soon as yeah. if they get one from a corner, we'll throw it in. That's one, or yeah, dodgy yeah. penalty. The momentum goes the total opposite way. So I was sat there thinking, yep, it's great. And I'm the first person to say, get the game finished as early as possible. I've said that last, last yeah, few course, times. Yeah. Get it done. Three goals, two goals, three goals. Get it done. And then we can set players off. I'd have took Aguero off at half-time if we'd have, you know, 3-0 up. I might have not to get an injury, actually. Um, yeah, I just think we needed that third goal. Then we could have shut up shop. So it was a bit like, 2-0. Mm, you could see we'd down the tempo. It wasn't that we weren't trying that much in the second half. So... For me, it's three. And then notably, notably dropped down again. Yeah, definitely. Just, didn't we? Just sat but, there. but I think what what my issue with that was is that the fact not not the fact that we probably should have got a third of them. It's more a case of the fact Liverpool hadn't even played yet, and it was as if the fans that were being overly critical of a two 0 win away at Fulham were already assuming that Liverpool were going to beat Tottenham. 
Do you know what I mean? And it's I think you've always, got, like, you've always got to think that Liverpool are going to win every yeah, single game. But they still had to play, do you know what I mean? So to win 2 0 and Liverpool still have to play, I think we should have maybe just been a bit more. Kind of just let that game we're take now, its course. I still think Liverpool are going to win every game. I don't. Well, they've only got Chelsea. They've only got Chelsea at home, majorly now. Well, I called it Tottenham win me, didn't I? And I was if it wasn't for that uh, amazing goalkeeper at Tottenham's, and it would have been a lot easier. Sacco Sky in it. What was he doing there? Don't Crazy. get me going on Liverpool again. Please. No, we can't talk about that. I think I'll start. Tell me about Liverpool, Paul. No, don't. No, don't. <laughs> I get death threats. Oh, They've been so jammy, haven't they? So many times this season. So, so jammy. And that's why it makes me feel is the name, you know, on the trophies. You know, nah. do you believe in fate and all that? And, you know, every time I see them scrap up three points, I'm like, wow. You know, it's gonna, they're going to take some beatings. They're a great team, but they got the rub of the green a lot this season. And so let me ask we, you the question. Last year. Do, they, do, they, do you believe in fate? I do, yeah. Well, you I do. Didn't, generally, I don't, but in this case, I, I do. I find myself do thinking that because I was thinking of going at the last minute. And even then, I was still annoyed and shocked. No. And I was just like, but yeah, I, did, I think they'll win it. This is a different team to 2014. However, they bottled it with three to go. And there's six to go now. And I think they're going to bottle there's it no, with five to go. There's no... The, the easiest way to put it is, if City win all their games this season, we we we've won everything. Yeah. Simple as that. Thanks, like, Carol Vorderman. Yeah. If we... <laughs> 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 Sorry, yeah, Rachel Ryan. Thanks, Rachel Ryan. I get more contemporary. Yeah, he's a rag. And by the way, for those listening in in other countries, there's a program called Countdown on English TV where they have a a very clever woman who looks after the the uh, sums. There's there's a bit where you work out a mathematical thing. And Carol Vorderman and now Rachel Riley are seen as real brain boxes. Hence the names. That's just to explain. That's why they're comparing. Rachel Riley with myself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. yeah, but can she fix a car like you can fix a car? I bet she can. Um, yeah, no, I, if we, we win every game, Liverpool win every game. Well, they can't, can they? Because if we win every game, we play them in the final yeah, of the course. Champions League, then we're going to beat them in that, aren't we? Yeah, so, of course we are. Um, one of us has got to lose a game this season, then, haven't we? I Coming think they'll lose us. to Chelsea. So you think that day it's going to be a repeat of 2014? We're at Crystal Palace. They played Chelsea at Anfield, yeah. where last time Stevie Gerrard slipped and all that. <laughs> you think it's going to repeat a repeat of that? Yeah, I think Hazard will score at 90th minute. Chelsea will win 1-0. We'll beat Palace. I think we're going to drop more All than three points, score. though. I think we're going to drop more than three points. So even though that Chelsea game, you might lose that Chelsea game. The amount of games we've got and the amount of big games you're playing, I just think... I think we'll drop more than three the points. The thing is, I, I see, the way I see it, going back to game management, I think if we do the job away at Tottenham and get the first leg mm. dealt with and we can go into you that second leg, like, like, yeah, of course it is, but like we did with the Schalke game, you know, you get yourselves in a good position, bring them back to the Etihad, we know how good we can be at home and we take Tottenham to the cleaners at home or just game manage that whole game for the whole 90 minutes, 95 minutes and, and just get through to the semi-final and then for, for the rest of the league games, like... Paul said, "Take each game as it comes." You know, we've got we've got Cardiff, uh, we've got Cardiff tomorrow. Um, I think that should be not an easy three points because they're going to come after what happened to him at the weekend with a bit of a bee in the bonnet. No, we're bringing on the twenty threes. But, but actually, did I you see? I saw the sign. See the sign. Great that one. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> just to explain, sorry to interrupt oh, you, Harlan, but for the the, the fans again, you, you can't see everything and necessarily know everything, especially if you're not listening around Manchester. But last night when I came out of the FA Youth Cup game. 
and there's more than one place where this exists. There's a traffic management sign outside the ground. They're all over the city. You see like them. a matrix, dot you matrix. You can see them in Stretford. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was, it was, it's a dot matrix. That's a good way of putting it. And it actually said, beware crowds and all the rest of it, you know, warning. Delays. Delays and everything. But it said, city versus... Cardiff City under 23s. So, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, Neil Warnock, the uh, Cardiff manager, had said, I might as well field the under 23s, you know. Yeah. and uh, Prepare it, from a game at the weekend. Yeah, yeah, which they haven't got a game at the weekend. Uh, he's, he's later sort of withdrawn that suggestion, but um, but that, that's the reason for yeah. that. I'll know. I'll stop you. No, no, it's fine. Have they not got a game at the weekend? That's actually Burnley. It's the weekend after. There's no reason for them to rest anybody. Yeah, because I was going to say, if you have got Burnley, that's a big plus for us. Okay. But going back to what I was saying, uh, Ian, I think that we'll learn from our mistakes. And I said this, I think it was five or six weeks ago on the podcast. I think we'll learn from our mistakes at Palace last year. We weren't clinical enough. We ended up really playing with fire almost um, for the last 20 minutes of that game. Nearly got caught out. Milivojevic, penalty. Edison, fantastic save. Could have very well lost that game. It wouldn't have made a difference to last season's title race because we were so far ahead. This year it will make a massive, massive difference. Fine we can't afford, to, um, can't afford to make the same mistakes that we almost made last season. Um, and to be honest with you, I think that we'll, we'll we'll probably struggle more in the in the games against the sides like Palace and Cardiff, and Fulham than we will against the bigger sides because I think we will be up for it and we will know how to game manage them games. And it'll be like if we can manage them games like we did against Liverpool at home, the fans get behind the team. Um, you know, every single player does what every single player can do, full potential like Fernandinho performed against Liverpool. Everybody literally empties the tanks. I think we'll be absolutely fine. There was a, there's a guy who uh, I talked to um, a couple of weeks ago. He came over from America and he was on my podcast. I'm just trying to think of his name. Uh, so just excuse me while I try and flick through while I'm Hank. talking to you. Um, but he, he basically has commented a couple of times on the podcast... Um, and said that he thinks, particularly me, because I'm saying I don't think City are going to win all four trophies no, for being too negative, uh, and no, that uh, we should be, we as City fans should be more positive. And he is a very positive person. And I'm sorry, in very quick succession, I've not got your name here. I should have written it down before I started, but you know who you are. Um, so apologies for not remembering. But. Um, he thinks that, that that it makes a difference how I or you, Adam, because you've said you don't think they'll do it and these two yet to declare, are, and that you know, that makes a difference. I'm saying that I'm not being negative. Uh, I'm I'm being yes, realistic, uh, <coughs> I'm just being blindly optimistic, sycophantic, or whatever word you want to use. What what is the purpose in that uh, mm. as as supporters, especially if we all went that? There'd be nothing to talk about. I think, yeah, there? I think it's okay to say that I don't think we're going to win it, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to support us all the way in every oh, competition. Yeah. I think that he's, I think fair enough. He's got an opinion. Everything, but in my opinion, I think he's, he's confusing support for for opinion in what we're going to do. Then, yeah, why bit. why why should Liverpool not drop it? Why should Liverpool not drop any points this season? Just because Steven Gerrard slipped in the past. You said five margins then, Paul. How many fine margins have they had this year that have gone in their favour? Loads. So so something's got to give, surely. (laughs) Yeah, but that's that's the law of averages says that. But we're talking, you know, we're talking realistically here. There's nothing to say that Liverpool are going to drop points just because what happened last season. You know, we're talking this season and how tight it is this season. 
So I think it's, it's, it's fair to say that I don't think we're going to win it. There's, there's no, I don't think there should be a problem. I don't think anyone should have a problem with a fan not believing we'll do it because it doesn't mean I'm not going to support us I, or be I happy. I would you know, absolutely so. love us to do it. Oh, yeah. But in, the, in my mind, yeah. absolutely. But in my mind, mm. I'm thinking, mm. you know... I believe we can, I'm but I don't think we will. absolutely buzzing yeah. if we do it. Mm. But if we don't do it, I've still mm. had a good, great if season. Win, yeah. if, we don't win the great season. if we don't win the Champions League... I think we'll win the FA Cup and the league. But if we don't win the Champions League and we don't win the FA Cup for whatever reason, so long as we win the Premier League, I'm happy. <clears throat> so be it. <clears throat> it is what it is. The Premier League is the most important trophy for me this season now. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's as simple as that. Too, yeah. If it's a choice between the league and the Champions League, I've said this all season, the league, every day of the week. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, well, uh, I, I get that, that... And we said this the other week, and obviously Ian said the Champions League because... He'd love to see us win the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, and I would. And I'm not going to change that opinion. I mean, but I, 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 I can see why we're odds on to win the FA Cup. And, and obviously the, the three teams that are left in it are both teams that, generally speaking, the current City side would, would almost sweep aside, not just beat, but sweep aside. And that's not being arrogant, that's just being realistic. But the teams that City would have to beat... To beat to win the Champions League, are uh, first of all Tottenham, who are a decent team and are one of that top six. Then it's probably going to be Juventus, but could be Ajax. Neither of those, I would say, is uh, one of those uh, below the six Premier League teams that you just expect to sweep aside. And then it, it could be Barcelona, could be Liverpool, could be United, could be whoever. But I think it'll probably be Barcelona in that final. Um, I don't think that's a uh, Anyway, given either, so so they're going to have to probably beat three big opponents to win the Champions League. Not impossible, but to say that that is, you know, yes, it's going to happen. I think is is a ridiculous comment. And in the in the Premier League, we've still got to go to Old Trafford and we've still got to beat Tottenham. Yeah, uh, Liverpool have got to play Chelsea. So if you just look at the purest, and they've they've played one game more at the moment, so they've only got six games to go. And City have got three of their remaining seven at home, so four away games, and obviously United away. That's the reason why, whilst I'm desperate for City to, to win the league, that's the reason why I, I share Adam's view, which is that Liverpool will probably do it. But that's not being negative, that's not... No. You know, I, I hope that doesn't come across as being negative. And I think it's important when we talk about those fixtures. You, you separated them, obviously, with you know Champions League and Premier League being separate. You, you, you obviously they're obviously intertwined together. So even them games that you expect to sweep teams aside in the Premier League, you, you you've got to think that three days before it, we could be playing a Champions League semi final before it against an amazing team. So then that puts on the back foot in terms of preparations to play a team that's not in the Champions League at the weekend. So that's why I think. Putting them together. If it was just, you know, win win these next seven. Well, is it seven games now? Win these next seven games, and there's nothing else. No Champions League, no FA Cup. Then you know, yes, I think we'll. I think we'd do it. But I think with we've got two, four, five Champions League games to go, and they're all going to be against unbelievable quality opposition, and, and they're intertwined with Premier League. End of, end of May. Yeah, in the May. So that's why I think the, the fact it's all intertwined together, that's why no one's done before. It was difficult watching all them teams play on four fronts all them years ago, and now it's, it's, it was hard for us to watch other teams compete on four fronts, and now it's hard for us to watch ourselves on four fronts. It was hard for us to watch 60 years ago, and I've never how, yeah, it. How close are the teams been? Because... 
How, how close have the teams been to a quadruple? Because United didn't win the League Cup today, obviously. That was at the start. They got knocked out of that, what, October, November-ish? Mm. So they were never on for a quadruple after Christmas. Yeah. So uh, it'd be interesting to see who's ever been this far. If we don't win a quadruple, right, to be in four competitions or to have won one and, and to be on for a quadruple at the start of April is an absolute achievement. And whether we win it or not, it, it's it, in, in my eyes, it's a trophy in itself and somebody is going to have to accomplish that again to be able to say that they... They were capable of doing such well, a if thing. You, if you was a Liverpool fan, if you was a Liverpool fan, you'd actually have this as a trophy. You would actually have the fact that you. You were good at local trophy yeah, shop. You, on you would get this engraved. as a trophy, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's a mental trophy, though, in my opinion, as a fan. Yeah, yeah. To see my club in four comps, but unfortunately, at the start of April, unfortunately, in years to come, you don't get that. You don't get anything for it, and the history books won't say anything. We just got um, Rachel Riley on the on the noteboard here telling us when. Well, the last team was close to getting the quadruple and we're going with Chelsea, got to the Champions League semi-final and it was when, was it John Arnaresa? You say John Arnaresa knocked him out against Liverpool and this, we're not, we're not quite sure on the year, but that was the, that's the closest. Any English team's gone to win the quad and they clearly didn't do it. Um, so that's the closest they've been. So, you know, it just shows that, you know, no one's done it before. There's a reason why mm. no one's done it before. It's so difficult and if we do it, then, you know, you don't believe, but I, what, what's going to annoy me is when we inevitably, in my opinion, don't do it, I'll look at the summer and I'll think we should have bought a replacement for, well, not a replacement, but someone to go with Fernandinho. We should have got another uh, another left back because we've only got one left back at the club, natural left we back at the club. We should have had VAR in the beginning. We should have had VAR and all that type of stuff. It's going to annoy me in summer, really. do, you not, do you not think, though, rather than just personnel and, and, and the physicality of, of, of the amount of football as well? The psychological aspect of performing on all four fronts as well is just as important for the fact that it doesn't matter. We could have we could have we could have a squad of thirty five players and rotate as much as we wanted with with the same amount of quality throughout the thirty five. But it's how the players respond during them games and the psychological, um, like I say, the psychological. I think aspect this, of well, I think this team's well equipped for that. I think under Pep, this team's they're not allowed to. They're not allowed to go into games. I think they're right. You, you get a player, that a player comes out of this team, and then another player comes straight back into it, and he's just he's in it. Like he's in it, he's in the other player's mould, isn't he? <clears throat> yeah, he's just yeah. straight in that mould, and yeah. he's not allowed out of it. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's a fit. It's a fit because I think we've had players come back in, uh, Kevin De Bruyne being one where he's not been hundred percent fit, and you know, I can't believe it, but on social media he's getting a right slagging off, saying he's this, he's that, he's the other. Because he's, he's come back and he's not performed as he was mm. doing last season. Unbelievable. Steve was the guy, by the way, who uh, sent me the message. Uh, he's called at <clears throat> K.O. Matt, I think, something like that on uh, Twitter. So, Steve, uh, as you were talking about... Thanks for clearing that up, Ian. Yeah, I, was, I actually was invited down to speak to Premier League Productions yesterday and to, to talk about all this, and uh, that goes all around the world. And since we, we need a Steve bell, is you know. in America... We need a little bell when he drops a name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just pick it up off the floor. Yeah. <laughs> then where the spanners are. Then, uh, <laughs> oh, just get. Do you remember Sabuti or men or when I was growing up, they were called micro stars, little yeah, guys yeah. with an head on. Yeah, you just put a load of them lined up on the table and get a, a dart gun <laughs> and just shoot one every time he mentions <laughs> yeah. a person. Well, well, um, despite that, um, dropping the name, um, I did say no, on that I didn't think City would win a quad. And, uh, and and actually still our second favourites for the Premier League. So Steve, if he's watching that, because he lives in another part of the world, probably will see it. 
and everybody in the UK want, he'll say, there you go again, being negative. I'm not being negative. No, but anyway, realistic. Let's move on to another subject now, um, the Youth Cup. Now, yeah. the Youth Cup was uh, the semi-final stage last night. City played West Brom. Uh, they won 4-2. Uh, and certainly there was a goal by a player I'm really excited about every time I watch him. And I think he, he's going to be something really, really special. Tommy Doyle, who is the grandson of not only Mike Doyle, which is the obvious conclusion to draw because of the name, but he's also the grandson of Glyn Pardo, because Glyn Pardo <coughs> and Mike Doyle, two city legends of the past, had offspring who married each other and had a kid who is Tommy Doyle. Wow. So uh, talk about that, pedigree, that, eh? <laughs> um, and he hit a right rasper um, yesterday. That's, DNA, <laughs> That's it. There was also, stuff. in goal yesterday, Louis Molden, and uh, Molden is such an unusual name that you'd be right in assuming that he is Paul Molden's son. Paul Molden, who was a, a very prolific, particularly in his younger days, uh, goal-scoring striker for City. So there are two players who have absolute pedigree. Um, I also know the father of Taylor Harwood Bellis. Um, his father is somebody who's been associated with Stockport County through his uh, his uncle as well, Steve Bellis, for a long time. So he's a Stockport lad. Um, there are other names in there that are not quite as familiar. Ben Knight scored a couple of goals in last night's game. Um, and uh, Felix Nemecha is probably a player that people have heard the name of. And probably the best known of them all is Eric Garcia, who's a skipper, who we've seen a couple of times in City's first team. Now, uh, did you two, before I ask uh, Harlan, but before, did you two watch the game or...? No, I didn't, no, I didn't, didn't watch it. I didn't have time, and just like I don't have time to watch the youth team in general really that much, but I, I can't say I'm that, that bothered about it, in, in truth, to be honest. It doesn't, yeah, yeah. doesn't really bother I, me that I, much. I've, I've finished work last night at nine o'clock, so no answers, I didn't watch it. Again, I think I've said this about the, 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 the ladies' football, I just don't... I've got to prioritise stuff and, and it's difficult for me to get to these games. So. Yeah, it wasn't a loaded question. I was oh, just no, curious to yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, it's just... You know, I would yeah. love to go and see it. and I, I, I will, will you go a, to the final? I will try and get to the final. Yeah, I, I will try depending on where it is. Very glorious. The finals yeah. against the Scousers. Exactly, and all anything that. to you beat them. The finals at home... It's against Liverpool. It hasn't been made clear yet whether it's going to be in the academy stadium or the main stadium. City have got to the final three times in the last four years and played Chelsea in a two-legged final in all those occasions. The first leg was always at home and City always lost the final and they were always at the academy stadium. So we don't know yet. Last time City won the Youth Cup was in 2008. I went to that. I was there then. Michael Johnson was playing in that game, for example. Uh, Daniel Sturridge... Um, and they won that game and that was in the main stadium yeah. but it's yet to be announced yet and it's one leg by the way the rules change this season so it's, it's a one leg final one against Liverpool um, now Harlan um, I made sure you watched it didn't yeah. I? Uh, yeah. I, I said I was, I, don't rec- I, was, say- I was recruited ding ding <laughs> <laughs> <In the boat. laughs> I don't want to be sitting here talking about it on my own. I went to the game and I, I go to a lot of the youth. I'm, I'm lucky because I've got the time to go and watch youth and, and EDS and stuff and, and follow them. I, don't go to, I used to go to all the away um, stuff as well. 
there is a limit to everybody's life as to what they can do, but I do see a lot of the youth football. So I have strong opinions on them, but I'd be interested to know, because I know you you love to analyse yeah. football, yeah. Alan, what you've made of... So there's the team sheet in front of us. Yeah. What do you want to do, go through them? Or yeah, I'll just go pick through out them, yeah. the ones that you... I'll go through them and just talk... What, what I've done is I broke it down and I've, 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 I'll go through the players and when I get to a player that I, I liked watching or that did something effective in the game, I'll talk about the move or I might chuck in an opinion with you yeah definitely so st- starting off with um, one player that really stood out to me um, was Felix Nemecha. Um I really like the way that he um, you know plays I think he's very expressive he seems to me to be a bit of a pivot in that team um, the kind of player that people play off the middleman, someone that um, people play into and look to receive from um, quite a direct player someone that's always looking uh, for an outlet to kind of stretch the opposition and create um, create nice fast flowing moves, um, like I said, direct football and the way that this team plays, I think that it's it's very it's the city way it's it's Pep's way, um, and I can see that whatever we're doing in the first team is filtering right down now into the other teams as well. He had an old, he's got an older see. brother, Lucas, who's yeah. gone on loan to to Preston, and when yeah. Lucas first came in. I actually thought, wow, you know, he looks a real player. He's a, he's a centre forward. And the fact that he's gone out on loan at Preston shouldn't necessarily mean his time or his hopes are over. Um, but at the moment, uh, have you watched? Have you followed his yeah. progress at Preston? Look, I've, I've watched. I've watched a bit of him. Yeah, obviously, I, I've got um, a radio show at the moment on um, on Bolton FM, and ding, we, ding. we actually um, <laughs> we actually we actually talk about the championship quite a lot. Um, obviously, Bolton have played Preston. Uh, twice this season as well and we do have to talk about Bolton on the radio show as well um, and I try and keep tabs on as many teams as possible obviously the local sides in and around Bolton as well Preston only being up the road so I've kept tabs on him as well seems like he's having a good season probably not playing as much football football as he would want scoring as many goals as he would want which is what people look at a bit too much in this country stats and not necessarily what players do to assist other players and, and, and make games better so to speak it's all about goals and stats and whether he scored and if he didn't score he had a bad game it's not about that um, but yeah I like him and he scored a penalty last season in the Carabao Cup we can't forget that against Leicester um, you know he stepped up um, when the pressure was on um, and helped us on to win that trophy last season in theory because he stepped up and you know was a man about it and, and put the ball in the back of the net. But despite um, the fact that Lucas is was is an out and out striker and that Felix, the younger brother, is built in a similar way, he's a tall, yeah, statuesque type of player. Um, he's actually, to my surprise, anyway, not a striker. He is a midfield player. Yeah, he is. Floats, and actually looks quite languid in the way that he plays. He scored last night, but he looks quite languid. But he's deceptive. And and I was I was talking to a couple of people in, involved in the setup who feel as if he might end up being like Jaden Sancho going to Germany because mm. I think he came from there as a youngster. Um, so I wonder if that's the direction he's going to go in. I don't want to I don't want to go through everybody too detailed yeah, because people uh, might lose interest a little bit. But uh, I'll pick out a couple. Ron McDonald, who, who's a, a defensive midfielder. Ron McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, other other fast food outlets are available. Um, but but Ron McDonald, who is a defensive midfielder, um, my mate who I've been watching games uh, for years with, really likes the fact that he's an old-fashioned tackler. 
that that tackling's a bit gone out of the game. Have you seen that in him? Do you do you look at that? Yeah, I like I like a good old fashioned challenge. I like something that's physically, and I think that you know I remember Pep saying two years ago um, he he made that statement that was massively misinterpreted about how he doesn't teach tackling. He doesn't. He doesn't teach players how to tackle. It should come from within. It should be an internal desire to want to win the ball back and be aggressive and press and 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 harry for the ball back. Um, I like to see even you know players that that are a new breeder player get stuck in and, and and win the ball back early and be a bit physical and even players that are quite small and quite um, you know tiny if you want to call it that still getting stuck in aggressive players. You know Tevez wasn't huge. Oh, aggressive oh, Silver. Silvers Bernardo Silva one of the tenacious, most aggressive tenacious players well that's interesting I've, I've because I know you haven't fully time. answered that but I'm going to divert you slightly another way Ron McDonald in that team to me plays as a defensive midfielder Eric Garcia plays as a centre back a year ago I was watching Eric Garcia and thinking he's a bit small to be a centre back He's so grown a little bit. Front. Well, that's what I'm coming to. But he, he looks as if he's suddenly grown a little bit. And when I saw him in the summer and pre-season, I thought, blimey, he looks about a foot taller than I remember last season. Uh, he did have an injury at one point as well, so perhaps I hadn't seen him for a little while. But he did look as if he'd grown. I wonder whether Eric Garcia eventually moves into central midfield to become a defensive midfielder. Mm. So what you've seen so far, Eric Garcia... And Ron <clears throat> McDonald, who are perhaps the two prime candidates, are they potentially long-term Fernandinho replacements? I, I, I absolutely love from what I've seen of Eric Garcia so far. I think he's composed. He's got everything that I think that we're looking to recruit for money, that we're looking to bring in and pay a big dollar for. He just needs nurturing. He just needs looking after. He just needs showing the ropes. And I'm sure that if Pep, you know, with Pep being who Pep is, if Pep can give him the right guidelines and the right idea and the right tactics and whatnot to elicit and take into games, I'm sure that he can step up to the plate. And who's to say that we have to always bring in players? Why can't we be the team that are creating these wonderful players that other people want to buy from us for £40 and £50 million? Pounds? Well, Tommy problem. Doyle definitely fits into that category because obviously with his, his background, he is a lifelong diehard blue. Uh, his attitude is phenomenal. When you watch him in games... He never, he chases everything down. He's as brave as a lion. He's obviously got quality. He can cross the ball. He can shoot from distance, as we saw yesterday. Yeah, he feels like, show. to me, he's the, the real deal with the full package. How old is he? Well, he's obviously under 18. Or, uh, yeah. I don't know his exact <coughs> date of birth, yeah, yeah. but I, as far as I know, he's been playing for England's under 17. He's 17. So yeah. I think he, he's, he's, he's quite a youngish player. I might be wrong on that. Um, but, but Tommy Doyle is the one that... Uh, seems to me to be the one that the club too are, are sort of putting their their feelings on. You know, like Foden has been the blue eyed boy for the last year or two, has been the product from the youth team, and and this we've talked be about Foden before. And you know that whilst I'm not saying that Foden's no good or not going to make it, far from it. And I'm desperate for Phil Foden to fulfil all the potential that everybody hopes he has. However, I look at Tommy Doyle and think. Actually, if I was putting my, if I was putting my yeah. colours on somebody, even though he's a, a bit younger, I'd put it on Tommy Doyle. What do you, you think? You think he'll be the one that'll? Yeah, I think I think Folden, absolutely because he's. I'm not. Folden's got a great <clears throat> attitude, and obviously he's a blue, so you can see that in the way he yeah. plays as well. But Tommy Doyle's brave. Yeah, and I, I, I like in that bravery. I makes think a like big difference. that comes from his granddad, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. It's I think granddad's. 
Granddad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. on that point, Ian, in a sense, I think if, if that's the case and that's the feeling of other people as well and that's maybe what the club are thinking as well. What did you th- when you watched him last night, what did you I think? I like Tommy Doyle. I think he's a really good player. I think his strike was fantastic. Um, you know, it was a ball from the left-hand side that was played into him. He took it first time. Um, it was actually Bernabe that played the ball into him as well who I thought had a really good game yeah, as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you about um, him. He's, yeah. a, he's a good little player. He, 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 he really is. And is he any relation? He, he, um, no, not well different. Yeah, I was looking at him. He, he, he yeah. got the ball. Um, <laughs> that one is on him. <laughs> Tommy Doyle. And, and how many times do you see a player kind of rush the strike or miscontrol the ball and the move breaks down? The control was fantastic. He knocked out of his feet. He picked his spot. He put it in the bottom corner. And like you say, he chases everything down. He looks very direct. He looks driven. He looks hard-working. And I, I completely agree with you. He looks like he plays a bit like Ford. And he's, 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 he's not massive, but he, he's, like I say, he's very attacking, very fluid, very just very driven and very direct. And I just like the... I like the intensity that he brings to the game, so to speak. Well, it's an exciting game in prospect. Uh, Bernabe, the the player you were talking about, Harwood Bellis is another exciting player. Frimpong, Frimpong as well was a player that I, I, gonna... I, I... He was my standout performer, to be honest, in that game last night, or one of them, for the pure fact that he reminds me very much of like a... Even though he doesn't play in that position, he looked like a Mika Richards or a Mendy, that sort of moniker, someone that's not afraid to overlap, somebody that's that's got bags full of pace. He looked like he he was never going to tire, like he'd had a full packet of Lucasade sweets before he started the game <laughs> and he was just never going to run out of energy or he drank a full bottle of petrol before he <laughs> kicked off. Constantly an option for players. Um, his link-up play... I've done that and it doesn't make you want to <laughs> run <laughs> 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 I've actually done it for real and it doesn't make you want yeah, to run around. Specifically, I want to talk about the first goal because I can mention all five players... The ball starts um, centre-half with Garcia, who plays the ball into the middle of the park um, to um, Felix Nemetja. He sprays the ball out wide to Bernabe, uh, uh, sorry, to um, Frimpong. He lays it down the left-hand side, left-hand channel to uh, Bernabe. He whips the ball in and um, and your man Ben Knight puts it in the bottom corner. It was a five-pass move from the back of the pitch to the front of the pitch and within five passes we'd scored a goal and it was exactly the way that the first team aimed to play as well he's actually turning into Gary Neville isn't he listen what I would urge you to do if you can and not, I know not everybody can do this but but if you can get down to the game when it's the final if you can't make sure you watch it on TV somewhere off, yeah. uh, and, and watch this this youth team and there's a video version of this that they were putting on my YouTube account and if you want to comment on that, if you've got a different view on one of the players that we're talking about, or you think we should have talked more about Ben Knight or, or something like that, or the substitutes that came on, Henry Agumbi, for example, I thought played very well when he came on. Taylor Richards didn't even come on. There are, there are all sorts of different players. We haven't mentioned Perveda, who is a very exciting young player who's now joined the first team. So if you want to comment on that and, and get into a dialogue with us, either on Twitter... You know, you can follow us all on Twitter, you can interact with us, uh, or you want to put the comments on the video, please do. Um, and thanks very much uh, for, for for watching and contributing. Um, so that's that's the youth team. We'll, we'll do a bit more on that, of course, when the final happens. 
Um, next question I want to talk about, briefly at least, because I, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago and we never did, but this is the week that the keeper comes out. Now, you and I, Adam, have seen the keeper. It's you great. two haven't. I've have not it? seen it yet, but I am actually so going to So come on, Adam, it's your turn now. Tell us what you thought of the film. It is amazing, like, it literally is amazing. So um, I, I got to see it a couple of nights for the premiere, then went to the premiere. I watched it twice, it was that good. Um, it's not necessarily about football. You, you go into it thinking, it's going, you know, I'm going to see all this about City and all about the FA Cup final and things like that. There's a lot more to Bert Troutman's life than he broke his neck in a cup final. Obviously, you'll know that he's a prisoner of war, but that goes into it in quite a bit of detail in terms of how he came out, started playing for St Helens Town, and then how he scouted in the reaction at the time to him signing for City and the opposition with the Jewish community, of course, and then goes to talk about it. It goes, it goes through the journey um, football-wise, but it, it cuts it quite short. There's a, there's a, there's a scene uh, with, with the breaking of the neck in the FA Cup, but it is literally one scene. And I won't spoil too much, but there's a, there, like I say, there's a lot more to it in terms You've of love. You've only because you broke his neck. <laughs> <laughs> broke his neck. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, but yeah, it's you know love, loss, all that type of stuff that you get in... in Lots of films that aren't about football. I Football films in general are pretty rubbish. Everyone can agree they're pretty Apart rubbish. from Jimmy Grimble. Apart from that, I love that, Jimmy Grimble. But the, the, the manager's in that, um, John... Henshaw. John Henshaw. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant in it, because he's really funny as well. So just like he's in Jimmy Grimble, brilliant character. And um, yeah, I, I just thought it was, it's a lot more than a football film, and I'm glad it was a lot more than a football <laughs> film. But the CGI bits of Main Road and Wembley is unbelievable. Mm. It is, obviously, I wasn't there to see it in that way that it was. But it was unbelievable. And Will, who uh, has been filming for us tonight, was with me at the premiere. So although he hasn't been part of this podcast so far, <coughs> I think it's relevant that we should ask Will to just join us now and tell us what you thought of the, the, the film. Yeah, I mean, I've got to completely agree with Adam. Um, there's so much that I didn't realise about Bert. Uh, opened my eyes to a lot of things and especially the attitudes of people back in the day I suppose none of us have been through a world war we don't know how we'd react to the enemy so to speak um, but yeah uh, like you say John Henshaw made me laugh a couple of times uh, there's a specific scene where um, they had Bert walking up the tunnel at Main Road and it was uh, <coughs> like a, a reshot of something that happened earlier in the film but instead of the crowd booing him the crowd were cheering him for that was mm. the best scene. That was was that the scene. bit that made you cry? Almost. Almost. <laughs> definitely goosebumps. Definitely I, I, goosebumps. I talked to a couple of fans when, when I came out of the cinema and asked them what they, they thought, but they were, <coughs> and I don't mean this in any way disrespectful, but they were two young, ordinary fans. And I said, what did you think of the film? And the first words out of the mouth were, the CGI was brilliant. Now, that surprised me, and yeah. I'm glad you, Adam, as, as a relatively young fan, didn't go for... Yeah, I thought it was great CGI. You've hit it on the head because the film is not about CGI. Uh, obviously, you can go and watch Marvel films and all sorts of stuff yeah. for that, and they're brilliant. But this is a story. This is a human story which just happens to have some CGI in it, which City fans will appreciate because the recreation of Main Road, yeah, Wembley and all the rest of it is, is wow. Mm. But it's not actually what the film is, is it? No, not at all. That, but that was, that was what was great because it was purely just about his... You know, it, it skipped to him just signing the city and then towards the end of his career, then 
there is a story in it, of course, but it's not quite the, the film that it would be, certainly. And I like, when I was speaking to the director, he was saying that people in Germany don't know Bert Trautmann at all. So the film's going over there, and it'd be great for him to get the recognition over there that, he, that he's got with City fans. And perhaps not many, not as many people in Britain know about Bert Trautmann as mm. they should do. He got awards, you know, for his contribution <laughs> to bringing everyone together, both yeah. in England and Germany. So I, I hope that he now gets... The, the recognition that he perhaps hasn't got internationally um, now. So, yeah, right. I'm really looking forward to the reaction for it but with all the fans as well. Liked, Let us know what you think about it. I liked on the vlog as well, Ian, when you, when you, you um, did the interview with the, well, Bert and his wife, if you want to call it that. Two actors. Film, the two actors, yeah. yeah. And I thought that um, when you said to them, you know, is it, do, do you think it's going to take off? Do you think it's going to be a good, you know, do you think, well, a good film, do you think it's going to be a success worldwide or, or do you think it's just going to be one of them films that just it's, it comes out and, and is just like market, yeah like a little niche yeah. market film and I think that the reaction from even though like you say it's a story but the reaction from City fans and football fans alike that are going to want to watch this film because it's a football film and not only that because it's a story about love and it's a story about life it's a story about the war and it's a story about everything no matter what age you are you're going to want to watch this film I think the response from the City fans and the response from people worldwide when they've watched it will give the actors a lot of satisfaction. And I do hope for their sake that this film does give out the right message to the large majority of people and it does get the um, coverage that it deserves and it does end up being a worldwide phenomenon. I've had a lot of uh, City fans contact me on social media saying, you know, I hope it comes to America, I hope it comes to Chicago. There's a lot of blues in Chicago, who, uh, who and a great group out there in Chicago, by the way, higher Chicago blues. <laughs> but they, they, they desperately want it to be shown at their local cinema. They want it to be shown in, in Australia, near the Melbourne blues, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah. And I get that. Yeah, and I just hope that some momentum is built from this, because now you and I have seen it, Adam, and Will obviously as well. I don't know about you, but... I did go in there thinking it might be not a Jimmy Grimble film. I knew it was Bert Troutman, but that it might, you know, all, all you know, what was that film about um, Brian Clough? Um, oh, the Damned United. United. One of my favourite films. Which is, a, which is, by the way, a great film. But I think, personally, if you watch The Damned United, then you have to be a football fan, really, to, to, yeah, to want to watch yeah, it and to, to get, get yeah. Even though it's still a human story. But this... This film, I would suggest that even if you didn't like football, yeah, you know, you could actually watch yeah. it and watch a great film. So if the story yeah. had been made up, yeah. yeah, if it had been a made up story, but you know, it'd have been um, Helmut Schmidt instead of Bert Trautmann, you never heard of him or anything like that. <laughs> if you go down that route, it could have been about anybody, couldn't it? I mean, you're probably it's not... only because we know Bert Trautmann's Bert Trautmann. If we didn't know who he was, the mm. film's great. Yeah, but stands on its I'm own guessing, I'm guessing you're not a baseball fan. No. Have you watched Field of Dreams? No. Oh, right. Well, that, <laughs> yeah, that's that, that, that one down. Well, yeah, my, my, my girlfriend was there at the premiere with me, and she's, yeah. she's, she'd never heard of Bert Troutman. Um, I've got a more into football now than she was originally, but yeah, she, she's not a big football fan at all. And she thought it was a great film mm. because of all you know, the love and loss side of it, and the characters were brilliant. It's it a classic funny. story, isn't it? It is. Redemption and everything. It's got a dull lot in it. So you're excited, you've not even seen it yet. I haven't seen it. I suppose I've gone to see it on the. You see it on the. There was a showing at St Helens that you were going to go, yeah. yeah. And again, the forfeits I do for my job mm. at Prestige Car Repairs is unbelievable because I stayed with Ding, 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 ding. But no, I, 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 I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see this film. Is it one of them that you can you can take what you want from the film? So if you want to yeah. just 
watch the love part of it, or you want to watch the whole film and take the, the love story out of it, you can do if you want to. If you're not that interested in football and you're not really bothered about that part of it. There's but none you, of that in it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Not what you're thinking. Not right, right. right. <laughs> Finally, Different websites for that. Finally, for this podcast, uh, Wembley, your favourite subject, oh. Paul. So I take it you're missing out this weekend. No, you won't be going I'm, to Wembley again, I'm going, surely. I'm going, I'm going. I'm going. Um, yeah, I'm going again. I hate the place. I, I'm, I, I'm not going. I hate it. No. And I'm going because I managed to blag on a cheap... Uh, I'm going with Fails with Supports Club. So I managed to blag on a cheap trip on their coach and um, it's going to be in and out, just come home and, and all the rest of it. If it was the final, I'd be so, so excited about mm. it. It's the fact that it's a semi-final at Wembley. It's just you're leaving out a trophy, don't you? Yeah. It's, it's one of them. It's yeah. like you're winning, you're leaving out a trophy. What's yeah, that all about? Exactly. So I, I'm not going. I can't justify paying thirty quid for a ticket minimum, plus twenty quid for a coach. Even though that's subsidised, it's still not subsidised. Never buy a club semis at Wembley. You know, really? I was told today that it's the FA who set the prices for for the ticket, so it's not the club's fault. But in my opinion, the club should be subsidising that ticket further. Um, I, the only way I can justify paying so much for a FA Cup final ticket because I know it's going to cost a bomb is by going, actually, if I miss out on the semi-final and I don't mm. pay that 50 quid plus the however many quid you yeah. spend on drinks, then I can say, actually, I've sort of earned this FA Cup final ticket if we get there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm putting a bit of gamble on it, but I'm thinking, I can't afford to go all the games, you know. I'm a student, I'm not, you know, full-time work, it's so not just, I've got to pick and choose who I go. It's not just things. the money. It's, it's the home Experience, life. Experience, isn't it, as well? It's the home, well, it's the home life. Um, you know the, the amount of things that you have to give up to go to these matches. I mean, I, you know, it's, a, it's the, this, this game's on a Saturday, which people fans go, oh, that's brilliant. Well, for me, it's not because I open on a Saturday. Yeah. So I'm actually setting off early, so I'll I'll lose half a day's work. Mm. So I'm losing money that way, but it's also costing me money to get there. Yeah. And then in a few weeks' time, we could be there at another. We could be there you, again at the final. Are you going, Harlan? Um, not to the semi, no, because. Primary reason why is because I want to go to the final this time round. So and I want to take Jess to her first ever Wembley trip for the FA Cup final. Jess I think being your own half, she's yeah. like the unmentioned yeah. woman that's, thing. That's yeah, thing. yeah. Because I think it's the most magical. Um, I think it's the most magical trip to Wembley, the FA Cup final. So obviously, one of the subjects that's going to be discussed probably next week on the podcast is, and we don't know this for sure yet, but if City don't sell every ticket. Uh, um, and they why would that, they? Because this is another massive cost to the same uh, crowd base that basically, oh yes, it's growing, but it's still the core same support that, that were going 30 years ago. Yep. Uh, obviously, you young ones weren't part of that then. You weren't even born, but you know that it's still the same people being stretched and stretched and stretched. Yep. So the, the fans of other clubs... The media, in some some uh, some situations, maybe it'll be mentioned on the TV. We don't know yet, but oh, it last, will be mentioned. You know, if, if there are empty seats at Wembley, and it wouldn't surprise me if there are in the oh. city section. How do you how do you feel about this? Because me personally, I would never condemn anybody who can't go to a game or even doesn't want to go to a game. I'm very it's very lucky. You know, if you don't want to go, you don't want to go. So the first thing we did there when you said you're going to the game, we 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 tried to justify bit. ourselves. Just, just yeah, that's it. Because you feel like you have to. Because yeah. you know, you know, why aren't you going? Why aren't you going? And you know, yeah. I I can't emphasise enough that it's 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 a, it's your individual decision as a fan whether you go to a game or not. There was somebody on um, on tw- on Twitter or, or social media today, 
And they were basically, you know, sort of like saying, oh, I'm not going because I've got, um, you know, my wife's at home and she's let me go to these other matches and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's terrible that other people don't go to matches. Mm. Well, hang on a minute. You know, that's me. That's all of us. We've all got that. You know, unless you're sort of like 25-year-old and you're single, you can do what you want. You know, we've all got lives and we've all got things we have to fit in. And I would never, you know, if people leave a game early, that's up to them. You know, I hate it. No, I hate it. Don't get that me personal. I hate that. But they've bought the ticket. If they want to go, let them go. So the the fans of of any other team, any of the other big teams, and and in fact, even of Brighton, will will have a go at City and say, well, we can fill ours. So you're in four competitions. Yeah, but we would fill ours. We would fill ours if it was just in one competition. Maybe Adams hit it on the head. Maybe Adams hit it on the head when when he, he brings up which, of course, I didn't do it... I haven't asked the question for that reason. You know that. But you you, you feel that you have to defend and justify yeah, you have to. why yeah. you're not we going... We as City fans are held to a higher standard than any other club. You look round, yeah. Fulham wasn't full at the weekend. They didn't get. They weren't no. all over Facebook or Twitter or anything well, They're like in a relegation battle, so shouldn't they? Yeah, shouldn't they behind be there anyway. But that's not for me to say. If they weren't going, turn up, you can. I don't care. But it's because... There's no other way that any other fans can have a go at us because we play such great football when I was so successful. It's the only, the only way they can say it, though, oil money, empty seats, everything is just emphasised to a stupid degree. So that, that's what really annoys me. But what even annoys me, I'll be more frustrated when we don't sell it out because I think the club should know that we're not going to sell it out and need to subsidise tickets. So Matty Duff, on the, on the podcast, part of City Matters, yeah, yeah. he said to me today, and he said that it's OK to mention this, that the club asked the City Matters uh, committee... Why do you think we can't sell tickets? Well, for, for starters, it's because we're in so many competitions. Mm-hmm. It's because it, the, the prices are too high. So why they should, it's their job to know why we're not selling tickets. Mm-hmm. Simple supply and demand. I failed economics, but I know for a fact that if I'm not selling enough stock, I'm going to lower the price so I can sell it on. Exactly. But, um, yeah, so, so they, that, they're that, asking, absolute, they're they, asking they, asked, they asked the City Matters community, you know, the, the committee. I can't why believe can't that the City have to ask anybody that. I know. I, so it's shocking me when you say it, it that. It baffled Matty to say for him to say that. They all looked at him like, "What?" <laughs> so yeah, so the club actually don't know why we can't sell tickets, but we know why we can't sell tickets because <laughs> it's not cheap enough. We're and we're all—it's a working class fan base. You know, yeah. the, the, like Mossad, he had said weeks ago, yeah, yeah. Not as big you know, as people think it. Place in the country. Yeah, yeah, exactly. it? We're not as big it's, as other clubs. We have to accept that. And 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 although we're growing, and of course there will now at Wembley, I think. In that those seats that that they do get into the hands of whoever it is who goes, there'll be a bigger proportion of of so-called in inverted commas tourists, mm. people going to their first game who who are city fans, and I have got no problem with that. Mm. But there'll be a bigger percentage of that, and then when it comes to the final, everybody will, will want to go again if City get through against Brighton. Yeah. And I certainly, for one, am not. I mean. Uh, Chris, or uh, was was it? Who's, we had uh, Steve. Sorry, who, Steve, yeah. who said I'm not optimistic enough? Will be having another go at me now, <laughs> you know. But I, I'm not saying that City are even going to beat Brighton. No, nope. I don't take no. anything for granted. Wigan, yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's Brighton's biggest game for for years and years and years. Yeah. Um, whereas for us, it's just another game in a sequence. And Pep might pick a team slightly managing. Head of Tottenham first leg in the Champions yeah, League, game management. but but squad management as well because only four, three, four days later, City are at Tottenham, the first leg of that Champions League. 
So do but, players get rested? If Aguero isn't quite ready, is he left out and left out, left for the Tottenham back game? Back in London again as well, isn't it? They're stopping down, by the way, for, for the three yeah, or four days. But we're not as fans, are we? No, yeah. we can't so afford exactly. to do it. So we've got, we've got, got, we've got to pay to, to get yeah. down there as we, again. So we've got fucking days off work losing money. Stage on Monday. I'll have to open Paying on Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's it for this week. Thanks very much for listening. Um, obviously, if you've listened to this and you'd like to see what Paul's hands look like, um, then, uh, <laughs> then you can see the the Real. video version uh, of it because we are on YouTube as well, um, and, and naturally I'll be doing uh, vlogs from the Cardiff game in the posh bit of the Tunnel Club, and also down at Wembley and back at Tottenham's new stadium. I was there for the the league game actually. Went to the new stadium and looked at it from the outside, and then went to Wembley for the real game. <laughs> now this time I'll actually be able to go in it and see what it's like. So let's see what happens and. Uh, the way things are going at the moment, we play games thick and fast. A week from now, the whole story could be different. Yeah, that's it. Um, Just enjoy it while we can, I think. So, so let's, let's, uh, let's drink it all in and, and, and see where we are in another week. Uh, thanks very much to Hot Click Marketing, uh, who, who's supporting this podcast. Don't forget to check them out, hotclickmarketing.co.uk. Um, and we'll do it all again next week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, five stars, subscribe, it's free. Uh, and, and basically, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs>